What's up, creeps? And welcome to another brand new episode of Movie Dumpster. <laughs> hey, dude, stop reading my shirt, man. I know. Wrong show. I know. Wrong show, bro. That shirt is amazing. Thanks, dude. Yeah. <laughs> welcome to another episode of Brain Stew. That was Jeremy's cue to come in and scream, but he must have done all of his screaming previous to the recording singing Linkin Park. Everything you say to me! Because, yeah, he's one step closer to the edge. And I'm about to... Yeah. Break! He's about to... Yeah, mm, break. There it was. Yeah. <laughs> my dog's, my dog's barking upstairs, and I was like, what the fuck is going on down there? Yeah, you're going to get kicked out of your own house, man. But I know how that feels. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> if this is your <laughs> first time listening... Yeah, uh, me too. I'm, I'm Justin. <laughs> I'm, J- I'm Jeremy. <laughs> I'm B-Ratty. And we're at the end of the year here. And we decided to do this a little bit earlier than we did last year. We're going to be counting down our top 10 horror movies of 2022. I don't know about you guys, but for me at least, I feel like we were massively blessed in the horror genre this year. Big time. Oh, yeah, I think, for sure. I mean, overall, I mean, I can't remember another year uh, in recent memory at least where we got this many horror movies released in general uh, on the big screen in large releases or even just some of the indie movies we'll be talking about that had smaller budgets that actually grossed a shitload of money and did a hell of a lot for the horror genre. I wonder which one that is. Um, (laughs) I'm not sure. There's actually a couple of them, Brady. So how dare you try to... You're getting ahead of yourself here. The mean Um, one. (laughs) it, It is unfair that the last two movies that we reviewed or you know we reviewed the mean one a few weeks ago i had loy sauce fill in for you guys last week and we just released the episode on <laughs> christmas bloody christmas we want to we want to we want to give you movies that we like but um not everything's going to be good so it's yeah. not our fault we're yeah. going to be honest on this shit but we're going to be counting down who knows maybe I, I i haven't even heard from either of them maybe they liked that and it's on their list i don't even know <laughs> i have no fucking clue it was rough but we're, it was rough yeah okay so probably not all right but yeah, so you guys always like these lists. It's always exciting to kind of hear what people think, uh, you know, where people chart movies versus others, and uh, overall, if there's any surprises. So I'm super excited about this, and we always kind of do this by age, and always want to put all the pressure on B-Ratty, since mm-hmm. he's a little bitch. Mm-hmm. Damn. Okay, all right. Got, got to make you work hard, bro. We got to start with you, man. You're number 10. Oh, I thought you were... You were like building it up like you were going to go like Jeremy instead this time. I mean, I'm what? not I'm not a little bitch like you, Brady, so that was uh, definitely directed towards you. It takes a lot of dedication, a lot of skill. It's an art to be this <laughs> much of a bitch. <laughs> uh, Dude, so. you're, you're, Brady, you're a resident bitch. Real, real quick before he does his number 10, uh, one time when Brady worked in a grocery <laughs> store, there was a, vin- there was a vendor that Brady, because uh, Brady was a manager, and Brady was having to tell the vendor something, and the vendor was like, you're a little bitch. Dude, no. Here's what fucking happened. No way. This guy, he did say that, but this guy was like, he had come in, it was like the week before Thanksgiving, and he just like wasn't putting shit up, and so I go back, and I was like, hey man, like what's up with your merch, your sales guy like ordering all this stuff, and it's here, and he said, what'd you just say to me, you little bitch? Like, just like that, and I was like, <laughs> oh, what? Damn, dude. Did you get red in the face and start clenching your fist? And I shit, just or? cried. I sat on the ground and I just started sucking my thumb and I cried. No, I said, dude, I was like, you can't talk to me like that. And he was like, man, get the fuck out of my face. So I was like, all right. So I got <laughs> really? Randy. I got For our real? store director and our store director yeah. comes back there and was like, get the fuck out of my store. 
Yeah. Also, I want to say this whole time this guy's yelling at me, I can see behind him and one of our produce managers was just watching the entire thing. (laughs) I was like, are you going to come over here or what? You're going to jump in this fucking Judas? He dipped right back in. Good old Marion. Was this guy like massively jacked or this huge dude? No. He had that that Pepsi in his veins. Yeah. Well, he was a he was a a Coca-Cola vendor. Oh, shit. But then he had to come back in and apologize with me with his district manager. And I was just sitting there, and he was like, he has something to say. And I was like, okay. And the guy was like, sorry. <laughs> and that's so. when you go, who's the little bitch now, bitch? <laughs> well, they were like, they basically asked us, they were like, do you want, like, how do you want this to go? Like, we can fire him. Under press charges, and so they were basically like, we'll fire him if that's what you want us to do so we can keep your business. And I was like, oh my God, I don't want to get this guy fired. But now I kind of wish I had. You should have stepped. You should have stepped to him like I stepped to those dudes in Boston, bro. Yeah. Okay. When your car almost stalled you, out, bitch. <laughs> almost all got killed. Yeah. 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 Jeremy was road raging in Boston. We weren't even driving yet, and he was road raging. <laughs> <laughs> he was so tired. I think that he was ready to kill both of us that day. The difference is actually Justin he, was ready to kill us because he actually got sleep the night before because I drove. And we talked about cannibalism. Yeah, and I have a recording of him uh, snoring still. I've got pictures of him pissing on the side yeah, of the so road. I. So, yes, these are all things that exist. God damn it, Brady! What is your number ten <laughs> <laughs> horror movie of twenty twenty two? All right, so for me, number ten is Barbarian. Uh, I, you know, when I first saw it, I think I said on the podcast too. Like, I, I wasn't super into it on the first viewing. Um. But then I watched it a couple more times, and I don't know. Like everybody else, I went into it blind, right? And uh, after maybe the third or fourth time, I was like, man, the writing's actually pretty fucking solid in this movie. And like, I do think it suffers from like some shit at the end where I, I think it just goes on too long and like it just kind of falters a little bit. And I, I wish they had like stretched out some things. I don't, is spoilers, right? We can spoil it. Yeah, I mean, all these movies have been released for a number. So, like, more stuff with the guy who lived in the house, who was like the old guy at the end. Like, I wanted more about like his backstory, but I think I'm just naturally inclined to like want to know about the serial killer. Um, But it was very tense, like eyes glued to the screen type of experience. And like, (laughs) I don't know how it was for you guys if you saw it in theaters, but when we were in, when I was in the theater watching it, and. Skarsgård's character gets killed and that thing comes out of nowhere and then it fades to black like everybody in the theater just kind of looked at each other and was like awkwardly laughing like <laughs> like what the fuck did we just watch yeah. and then it like picks up again and everybody was like what the fuck is going on and I, I think like Skarsgård acting Skarsgård's acting Justin Long Georgina Campbell they were all spot on and, and I just I really liked it um, and yeah. I'm upset that I didn't give it the chance right away but yeah that's my well you saw it a number of times and you know 10. to answer your question Jeremy and I saw it at a press screening, I think maybe a week or two before it came out or some, something like that. Jeremy, was that the screening where someone brought their small children yes. in the theater? Yes. That's oh. what I thought. Dude. Or was it that or was it a black phone? It was be, one of those two. Be, be. It, you know oh. what? It, wait, no. Oh, yeah, black phone. That's right. Because you didn't go to the press screening uh, of Barbarian. Gross titty right? monster. That's right. It was black phone. Let yeah. me ask right, you I'm, this. If you were in that cellar, like Justin Long, and this other girl's like, you just got to suck it. Like, would you? Or would you do what he did? And was like, no, I can't do it. Like, where she's like putting the bottle down there at first. I don't know. Would you I'm, have sucked the bottle? I don't know if I'm if I'm sucking no monster's titty milk. Okay. Justin? I would do it. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I've well, done worse things Justin, than that. you put a lot worse <laughs> in your mouth. Yeah. 
I've, I've drank worse things than that, and I've definitely put my mouth on more disgusting things than that. Oh, so, yeah. yeah, I believe sure. all of that. I believe. Uh, but yeah, that's my number ten. Great pick, one hundred percent, man. Jeremy, what do you got for your number ten? My number ten mm. is the Curse of Bridge Hollow. It was on Netflix. It, I loved it, man. It's a uh, horror family comedy movie, and uh, we didn't really discuss it on the podcast, but. <clears throat> This movie was everything that I wished the live-action Goosebumps movies would have been. Um, the practical effects mixed with the digital effects were amazing. Uh, Marlon Wayans is fantastic in it. Priya Ferguson from Stranger Things is in it, and she she was amazing in the movie. Um, I, I really had a great time with it. You know, I watched it with my six-year-old. She loved it, loved it, but it also, like, it definitely had the creepy factor in with the family horror film stuff. Like, I don't know. It was it was really well done, and I was blown away by how much I enjoyed it. That I was like, damn. I was like, this was, like, super, super, super fucking fun. And I was like, man, this actually might make it in my top ten of the year, and, and here we are. It's uh my number ten. Have you, have you guys seen it? No. It sounds like it took you by surprise. You had told me, like, literally, like, five or six times within the first week you saw it to watch it. I know Danielle watched it without me and I didn't get a chance to, so it slipped by. But I 100% still have it in my list on Netflix and still plan to watch yeah, it. Yeah, and like if for our listeners, if you don't know what it's about, essentially it's about this this curse that takes over this town and all of the town's Halloween decorations get possessed and come to life. So if there's like a giant spider Halloween decoration, like it comes to life as a humongous like real spider you know if, if you've got zombies in your front yard they come to life and it's not that cgi bullshit you know what i mean that that is thrown into so many horror films specifically you know like horror comedies and you know like family horror films it's like ah like the goosebump movies man like there were characters in the goosebump movies that it's like why did you make this cgi this could have absolutely exactly. been a practical yeah. character the werewolf in, in Goosebumps, why wasn't that a practical... Dude, that was one of the worst things about it. Ever. Ever, dude. So this movie excels at, at being way better than the Goosebumps movies. Um, and its execution is fantastic. It's it's funny. It's a blast. It's creepy. And it's wholesome fun for the whole family. So that's my number 10. Wow. Great pick, man. Not one that I was expecting at all. My number 10... Comes from British director Alex Garland, who made one of my favorite movies of all time, Ex Machina. It's Men. This is one, Jeremy, you and I did see together at a press screening, because oh. I specifically remember seeing your jaw drop a number of times during the screening. Um, you know, this had to make the list. I actually debated on a few movies that I wanted to put at this number, but... You know, horror is supposed to shock. It's supposed to make you uncomfortable. And above all, it's supposed to get in your head and make you think. And this movie stayed in my brain constantly for a number of days after I had seen it. And it really did connect with me in a really strangely personal way. Um, it has a lot to say. There are a lot of themes. And there's like a naked dude running around in the movie. Like the you whole know, time. Yeah. It deals with, you know, a widowed woman and her whose husband committed suicide literally right in front of her in this really strange crazy way out the window um and she goes to the countryside to this village and yeah she's basically stalked the entire time 
And all of the men in the village are portrayed by one actor, Rory Kinnear, which I didn't know when we watched the movie for the first time. I was like, oh, these are all different dudes. But he plays them all so brilliantly and they're all so despicable. And, you know, the film has something to say about toxic masculinity in its own way, but it's not beating you over the head with it. It has great atmosphere. There's some great stalking scenes. And that ending, Jeremy, you got to admit, man, we saw some shit there that we've not seen in a horror movie any movie, any movie ever uh, in terms of practical effects and how unnerving it was. Disgusting. It really Ugh. nailed it home for me in all of those ways. And so I had to put it on my list. It's it's crazy. This movie, I mean, it definitely pissed a lot of people off. A lot of people claimed that it was too confusing to follow. And for me, at least, like I think I was impressed that the movie really wanted me to think a lot more than what was on the, the surface level. And that's what I did. And even though I don't totally understand everything that Garland was trying to say with it, it still was extremely impressive. So at number 10, I have Alex Garland's Men. You know, spoiler alert, it's not on my list. And I watched it pretty late after it came out. And while I, you know, it didn't make my list, it doesn't mean it's a bad movie by any means. But like, what I really liked about it too was, you know, it's showing the toxic masculinity aspect with the same guy in the town, but also like the relationship between her and her husband and how, like, he was very manipulative and, like, emotionally abusive, and that, like, ties into her guilt, too. So I think that they just, they did that really well in that movie, and I did appreciate that part. Um, but... Yeah, it's, an, it's another movie that, I mean, and you're going to see a lot of movies on our list, or at least on my list, at least, so that it's this ongoing trend, mm-hmm. for better or for worse, that horror movies are now basing everything on that word that Jamie Lee Curtis always says incorrectly, trauma. 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 You oh, know, it's it's, it's 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 Trauma. become the the now in thing in terms to use, and it can be utilized well. And some of these movies most definitely do utilize it well. Um, I just hope that it's not like the thing that keeps pushing horror forward. But that's my number ten, Brady. On to you for your number nine. Yeah, so number nine for me. Um, I don't know if either of you saw it, but it's The Watcher, and I am gonna say that first of all, I want to marry Micah Monroe. Like I, I'm just gonna say it. I love Micah Monroe. And I think that we talk a lot about um, Jenna Ortega and how she gets a lot of well-deserved talk about being like the next scream queen of this generation. But I'd also throw Micah Monroe's name into the mix. I mean, she's been in It Follows. She was in Villains, I believe, The Guest, and now this. Like, she's she's got some good stuff under her belt. And anyways, for those who don't know, uh, It Follows, a young American couple who moved to uh, Bucharest. And... Micah Monroe's character, Julia, is this young wife who finds herself in this new place. She doesn't really know the language. Uh, Her husband's working all the time, so she's just kind of exploring a bunch of stuff. Meanwhile, there's been a series of gruesome murders that they think is a serial killer. And she starts seeing this strange guy following her and then realizing that he can see from across, or it looks like he's looking into their apartment from his across the way. Um, And it's really just like barbarian. It's another tense movie, but it's more in the vein of like Hitchcockian psychological thriller than straight up horror. But yeah, all all I kept hearing about was it was a lot like De Palma and De Palma is one of my favorite directors. And I mean, it's like just completely soaked in dread and it has some really surprising and effective jump scare moments that are done well through like really good sound design too. Like it, it's a very dialogue heavy movie or like very like scene driven where it's just her walking through a bunch of places and the cat and mouse game but in the moments where there is that scare you're not expecting it and the sound design just makes it even better like I jumped in my seat and 
Um, I mean, Byrne Gorman is the antagonist slash serial killer. Daniel Weber, and it's just, he's great. Like, he just, if you look up a picture of him, if you don't know what he looks like, like, he just looks like a serial killer. How judgmental of you, Brady. He's played a bad guy in, like, everything he's been in. <laughs> I, I just I just added that to my list of movies that I need to watch, so thank you, Brady. You're welcome. I think Chloe Acuna is the one who directed it, and she's just, she's got about three movies now that have all been pretty critically well well critically recepted so i i excited to see what she does going forward because this was really good that's a great pick man 100 percent. i been meaning to watch that i was just telling danielle the other day when i was on the couch flicking through our numerous streaming services and i had seen that that was still on my list and i was like yes because i also love micah monroe i will say brady she did have that little period there where she did some shit i mean she did play bill pullman's daughter in independence day resurgence which is one of the worst sequels ever made yeah. so yeah. it's unfortunate <laughs> yeah. very it's unfortunate awful. but yeah. she's fantastic in everything she does so great pick man jeremy on to your number nine dude number nine come on number nine Dude, so I'm confused because I'm on the IMDb page for this right now, mm-hmm. and it says that it came out in 2021, but it's Black Phone, which absolutely came out this it year. It was supposed to come out in 2021. Yeah, it was supposed to. Yeah. It got pushed. Dude, it just, it just, I pulled it up at the last second, like while you were wrapping yours up, Brady, and I was like, oh no. I, n- I never wrap it up. Oh, no. No, you don't. But bad, bad boy. <laughs> I literally, I literally was like, this shit says 2021, and my brain hurts now. Um, So... Yeah. My number, okay, so good. It was 2022 because I paid. No, you're good. You're good. Uh, Black yeah, because yeah, we no, saw you this have, one together. To we saw one, this right? one together. Yeah. Got to pick June, a new one? So. Yeah, right Fuck. now. This is Fuck. the movie that I stood outside uh, and called Justin afterwards and said that I could see this guy's ripped toenail on his sandals. And then he kept telling, remember, he kept telling people how to like use LinkedIn and Twitter. He's like, I have like yeah. 10,000 followers on Twitter. I'm pretty sure you told that story. Like, oh, yeah. Homeless. Oh, yeah. Anyways. So number nine is Black Phone. This is a movie that did not reinvent the wheel. It's not giving us anything incredibly wildly original. However, it's telling a very simple story, but telling it effectively. It had been a long time since I had seen something that I kind of considered to be like, you know, kind of a classic horror film, you know, slow burn. It had a lot of a lot of just simple yet effective storytelling devices and it, you know, with a lot of modern horror films that we're seeing nowadays, there's all these twists and turns, which, you know, can be appreciated when when done correctly. But this was one that told, again, a simple story that I really enjoyed. It was not a crazy long runtime. Uh, it was, you know, pretty, pretty short in length from what I remember. But I just had a great time with it, and it just showed that you don't have to, you know throw in all these curveballs, like, like just to throw in, you know, Barbarian, like that was a movie that kind of thrived on throwing the curveballs in the, in the script and stuff. And, mm-hmm. uh, Black Phone was just super, super entertaining and I thought really well done. So yep. that's my number nine. Nice dude. And, uh, jumping right on that, Jeremy, my number nine is also the Black Phone. Boom. Yeah. Fantastic movie. Yeah. This is, I'm pretty positive. This is the one or we went to see the press screening and someone brought their children in because I was, was extremely yeah. uncomfortable with the fact. There were a lot of kids in mind too. Yeah. I'm like, You're, they, they were small, small, small children. And luckily they didn't like make any noise or anything. But this movie, the subject matter has to deal with children being fucking abducted by this take, crazy dude wearing a mask. If I had kids, I would take mask. them to see this movie and I'd be like, this is what's going to happen if you keep acting up. Dude, <laughs> not, not only that, but like that movie, and we talked about it when, when we reviewed it, 
has one of the most graphic child abuse scenes yeah. that I've seen in a very, very long time. And it made me feel more uncomfortable than than any of the ghost stuff, than any of the grabber scenes, because it showed like real world, like real life horror that happens behind closed doors with families and stuff. And like that that was the one scene that I was like, Jesus Christ, that was tough to watch. Yeah. Yeah. One hundred percent. And I mean the showcase of this movie really is Ethan Hawke, who mm-hmm. delivered a tour de force performance here. He was absolutely fantastic. Just, I mean, menacing upon menacing upon menacing. The dude just is absolutely perfect in everything he does. And it was great to see him, you know, come back to a, a genre type movie and really knock it out of the park. And that fucking mask, dude, the grabber mask. And just that imagery that they created for the movie has now become iconic. I mean, y- you see that mask and it really shoots terror right into your spine, man. It's just, mm-hmm. it, it's so memorable. And, 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 and I absolutely adore the fact that the movie stems from, you know, all of those abductions in the late 70s, early 80s. You know, Brady, you're also super into true crime and shit like that, where they were almost unexplainable. And there are so many reports, almost urban legend like where you know people are saying that clowns were coming with balloons and people would lure kids into vans with candy and all that and this movie portrayed that in a very realistic and serious way and also extremely terrifying Uh, much like jeremy said the movie is straightforward it's to the point but everything about it is pretty effective i mean some of the stuff with the you know the picking up the telephone and hearing the voices of the the previous i could have done without a lot of that i could have done without it but i understand the psychological nature of what they were trying to convey with the, the character, the little boy being down there. There was great suspense in this movie. So fantastic. That's my number nine, the black phone Brady on to you for your number eight. Uh, well, my number eight is also the black phone. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there's really not a lot that I can say that hasn't already been said and we already had an episode on it, but yeah, I, I think like Jeremy said, it doesn't, recreate anything it doesn't reimagine anything like it's just it's a simple horror flick and you all you had also writ, wrote you you also read the short story right before you'd seen it yeah and that's what i was gonna say it's like you know i think when you get a lot of adaptations there are some things that get lost or added and it, it can kind of take away and not everything translates well from that short story to film and screen um but i can put all that aside because i mean it's the characters are great like you said ethan hawk as the grabber and that mask that changes like almost every time you see him based on his moods or what attitude he has i thought that was amazing and did savini was savini the one who did that yes he was. yeah uh and then the 70s aesthetic like i i it's like you said justin the true crime is there like you almost feel like you're watching like something about john wayne gacy or or whoever and it really presented this atmosphere of how back in those times like okay like people are disappearing but like we're still gonna let our kids like ride the bike to school you know we're still gonna let them go out there's there's a curfew but like really what is that (laughs) i remember like being super super young like literally five six years old maybe at at the oldest and i remember hearing stories like from the news about kids that had been abducted that they didn't know who how when where that the kids the kid would, you know, disappeared and it was, you know, all over the news. Like at that time in the early eighties, that shit was still happening where kids were just fucking disappearing. So yeah. I remember as a kid being like, Oh shit. Like 
Like that's a real threat. Like that's something that could really happen. So seeing yeah. seeing a movie like this, it's like, uh, all right, well, no, th- like that shit really did happen back in the. I mean, it's still happening now, mm-hmm. but uh, it seemed like it was definitely happening a lot back in the day. Yeah. No, and uh, I'll just wrap it up by saying, love Ethan Hawke in it. Love Scott Derrickson's direction. Um, yeah. So it was, you know, it it didn't blow me out of the water, but it still was enjoyable and I liked the story so it had to be on the list and you know it's Stephen King's son so it's got to be on there I knew it. I didn't get my fucking Stephen King movie I didn't get Salem's Lot and who knows when I'm getting that fucking movie you know what I got I, I got Firestarter I heard was it's canceled I heard it's canceled no, because didn't. shut the fuck up yeah I heard it's shut canceled because no one wants Brady to enjoy it <laughs> nobody wants me to have a good life <laughs> William Sadler as Barlow I'm so fucking on board for that movie. Like the I whole can't cast sounds that. really good. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. But uh, we? well, I think we will, Brady. I think we will. Moving on, Jeremy, to your number eight, man. Pearl. Pearl. I just want to be a star. <laughs> Mia Goth as Pearl was incredible. Like it. It was so wildly different than its predecessor, X, that it, it caught me by surprise. I mean, it was like a brightly colorful, like almost musical type setting and backdrop. It was it was beautiful. It was well done. The music was so old timey. The acting was amazing. It was brutal. We got the backstory of the villain from X. I really enjoyed this movie. Um, It surprised the hell out of me. Um, And I got to give it to to Ty West, dude. This this guy dropped two movies in the same year, in the same same cinematic universe. He gave us X, and then he gave us the prequel Pearl. And again, both films, while connected, so tonally different and visually different that I was blown away by. But what's also funny is that I could tell that people in the theater uh, that did not know much about this movie other than like, hey, it's a new horror movie that's out in theaters. Let's go check it out. There, I could hear conversation leaving the theater. of People were like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> yeah, what was definitely. that? And dude, we already, we already reviewed it, but Pearl's dialogue at the end of the movie that went on for fucking what eight minutes straight no cuts no nothing just intensity being amplified throughout the entire dialogue was incredible and it made you realize like holy shit Mia Goth is not just the chick that's married to Shia LaBeouf she's not just this person that you know is gonna be in a couple little things and she's gonna go like dude she is going to be a big 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 star and i think she, she really be a star <laughs> want to be a star um i i think that she is has established herself very much in the horror genre now that like us horror fans we're we're loyal right even when actors that we appreciate in horror do things outside of horror we kind of show up for them cuz we champion them because man i fucking love that person and you know they're they're repping the horror genre in these films that i love so you know what even though this next thing that they're in is not a horror film, like I'm going to show up in support of them because I'm a fan. 
I mean, how many of us watched Wish Upon a Star with Danielle Harris back in the day? Because she was the chick from Halloween 4 and 5. She wasn't just a chick. She was Jamie Lloyd, motherfucker. Jamie's an orphan. <laughs> Jamie's an orphan. So, uh, you know, she's uh, she's in, is it Brandon Cronenberg's uh, upcoming film? Yeah, Infinity Pool. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, with another that looks, that looks good. It looks amazing. So, instantly, I haven't even seen the trailer for it. I just saw a picture of her holding a gun out of a window, and instantly I'm like, I'm showing up to that. I don't know what genre this is. I don't know what this is going to be, but she's such a brilliant actor that I'm showing up for whatever she does from here on. Because of Pearl, because of X. Uh, and speaking real quick of Brandon Cronenberg, I loved Possessor. I know that's not this year or anything, but I don't know how you guys fell on that. I movie. still haven't seen it. Oh. Justin? Me either. Oh. Slacker. Okay, cool. Anyways. I was, I, I was anyway, supposed anyways, to... Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> I still... I, I was, No, you, you made something click in my brain that I actually had a ticket to see it somewhere where it was playing, and Danielle was like, you're staying home. And I just forgot about it. I think it's on HBO Max right now for free. I'll have to watch it. I heard a lot of things about that one as well. And that and that's the great thing about doing these lists. And I think in in also for our listeners, them hearing stuff that they haven't seen and you know beating it around, uh, you know these other movies that potentially you might want to watch. Oh, I got a video. It's called Two Girls One. I'm just kidding. Oh, Brady. (laughs) Anyways, is is it your turn? Yeah, it's my t- number eight. My number eight has already been kind of talked about, so I'll gloss this one over a little bit. It's Barbarian. Hey. Yeah. Um, great to see Justin Long back in the genre and doing really well. I've kind of missed him. You know what I mean? I mean he's got that horror pedigree. Oh, yeah. And it's been a while since he was in like a movie that uh, I'd say a, a, a reasonably large movie in the theaters. Um, Barbarian made a shitload of money. This movie, much like The Black Phone, um, done on a very modest budget. Both of these movies did extremely well. Lots of people went out to see them both. And the exciting thing about that is neither of them are franchises. They're not sequels. They're not reboots. They're not remakes. They Love are it. original movies. Um, a Barbarian really knocked my socks off because I had only seen the trailer once. Mm-hmm. I just knew Bill Skarsgård, which for me, much like what Jeremy was just saying about Mia Goth, he's one of those performers that I'm instantly in no matter what because I love Skarsgård. Um, a lot of people are complaining about the Crow remake. I understand why. I'm not against what you're saying about it, but, dude, it's Skarsgård, so I'm 100% going to see it just to see what he does with it. Um, but Barbarian, I mean, it, it did so much in terms of trying to trick you and the twists and turns of the whole thing. And yes, the end, uh, it, it totally goes off the fucking rails, and I loved that about it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't all land in yeah. terms of the ending or anything. 100%. But they, they went for it, and you know they shot their wad, and I think overall, the movie is extremely entertaining. It's something a lot of people were talking about. And I love horror like this that really challenges you, and also you get a lot of enjoyment an entertainment value from it. So and I, that's my uh, number eight. I think anything like that has Richard Brake in it is always like, he's just so menacing. Like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, in, in 31, uh, we never did a Rob Zombie thing, but 31 would have been on my list. And like, he's just crazy in that movie. Are you still mad that we didn't do? I'm still fucking mad. Our top five Rob Zombie I'm movies. I'm still fucking mad. With you? <laughs> it's okay. It's cool. 
Um, I don't. You weren't available. You were busy or something. I was going through a divorce, Justin. What do you want me to say? (laughs) (laughs) We're getting serious here. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen. This is no longer a movie about horror. This is not a (laughs) podcast about horror movies. This is just Brady's life. About about marriage therapy. Oh God. Uh, Anyways, uh, I also think it's funny for Barbarian that uh, the director Zach Kregers was in that skit show, The Whitest Kids You Know. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, when I saw his name, I was like, I've seen that before. Where have I seen that? And then I saw a picture of him, and I was like, oh, my God, that's Whitest Kids You Know. I mean, it's insane also to think that he wrote the movie, and it was his directorial debut, Yeah, you know? Well, it's kind of like uh, Jordan Peele and Get Out. Not quite yeah. the same, obviously, but, I mean, like, no, no, they no, both no, come no, from comedy. No, very similar, very similar in terms of writing and directing your own independent and original horror movie, yeah. for sure. But... Moving along here, Brady, we're back to you for your number seven. All right. I know I'm going to get crucified for having this movie so low on the list, but there's like so many good fucking movies out this year that like if it made the list, I think it's it's like that means it's really good. It's hard. It's um, hard, man. But it's got to go to Terrifier 2, number seven. Yes, criminally low. Get yeah. the fuck out of here I right think, now. Get out. Uh, I think Art the Clown <laughs> is the next big icon in horror. And I think that the fucking massive success at the box office for this movie like points to that being true. Um, I, girl, I was gonna, you know it's girl, you know it's girl, <laughs> you know it's true. I was worried about it at first that like it's such a long runtime that I was like, all right, it's gonna get like really slow. It's gonna run out of gas. Like it's gonna be the same shit all over. But like they were really able to tie in some heavy themes about like family and mental health struggles in into. One of the nastiest, bloodiest films I've seen in like a really fucking long time. I think when I thought about what movie made me feel as gross <laughs> as this movie did was Tusk when I first saw that. Mm-hmm. And like just sitting there like feeling gross in your own body watching the movie mm-hmm. is, is what this does. Um, art, terrifying as ever. I think Lauren Lavera as Sierra Woo. is just show stopping. She's Woo. beautiful. She's witty. Woo! She's emotionally commanding. I just... I think that she was the perfect counter to Art the Clown in this movie. And uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, it's For me, it's one of those that I'm not going to be able to watch again for a while because I think like it's just kind of overload for me. Um, but like that'll just make it better when I watch it again. Brilliant. Oh, criminally low, but you still put it on your list. So I didn't, I didn't let you down. It did deserve. But I know everything after this, you're going to be like, really? <laughs> that's, I mean, a, that's in front of Terrifier 2. I'm Justin. Anyways. Film is subjective. (laughs) Jeremy. Yeah, now. Number seven. seven. VHS 99. I love this goddamn movie, dude. (laughs) I love this movie. I was on a date, and Jeremy, the day before, had been like, oh my God, you guys have to watch this movie. It's really good. And so the date came over, and... I was like, what do you want to watch? And she was like, mm, horror or action? I That's, don't know, And baby. I was like, okay. I said, I want to watch your tiny dick. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> look, it's like, <laughs> never mind. And so. <laughs> You're we like, were, it's totally average size. Thank you very much. <laughs> I wasn't going to say that, but uh, I'm not a liar on the podcast. And uh, so I was like, all right, we can do horror. And I said, hey, I was like, have you ever seen the VHS movies? She's like, uh, she's like, I think I saw the first one. I was like, cool. My buddy said that this is like a really good one. After I had been like, yeah, we're on a podcast where we review movies and like give, you know, we're, you know, we're kind of a big deal. I was like, my buddy. She trusted you. Rec- she oh, trusted yeah. this decision. And you know what? Jeremy almost fucking ruined it because I did not like this movie at all. 
Well, but anyways, go ahead and keep it's it. It's my pick, motherfucker, not yours. <laughs> I just sorry. It, just it like the coke, him. just like the coke he, vendor, little bitch. It's my it turn. He's still mad. He's still mad you ruined his day. I'm like you, motherfucker. <laughs> uh, dude, I love this movie. It felt like a punk rock horror film. The first segment was kind of the segment to ease you into it. I didn't love the first segment. It was fine though. Um, I, I loved the punk rock zombie. Uh, characters that they were fucking rad as shit, and they, the, the practical effects they looked amazing. Uh, however, the other segments in this movie were so fucking off the walls and crazy that literally, when I thought I I knew kind of how this segment was gonna go, like it was ten times crazier than what I could have ever imagined. And I'm like, holy shit! Like these filmmakers pitched their segments, and people were like, here's money, go make. Uh, this fucking Nickelodeon kids game show on fucking acid with alien monsters and like all this other crazy shit, man. It was wild. I could, I can see how some people wouldn't appreciate the movie or wouldn't like it. Me, however, it kind of checked the boxes for me, man. I'm, I'm like, this was insane and I loved every gore, guts, ooze moment of it, man. It was, it was fucking awesome. And I didn't care for the two previous installments in the franchise. This one, I was like, all right, I fucking dug it. And I'm sorry I fucked your data, Brady, but that's my number seven, bitch. He's not sorry. He took the money. (laughs) My number seven. Yes. Brady, what is it? Tell me what it is. It's Terrifier 2. Uh, criminally this low. No. <laughs> no. Uh, it's an honor. It had to be uh, on the list. Scream 5. Don't give me that look, Jeremy. I really enjoyed this movie. And yeah, let's, just, shit, let's just shit on Jeremy let's, right let, now. No, hold on, hold on. Let's be honest. We walked out of the theater, and you were like, I don't know how I felt about that. You were not hot on it at first, bro. I was also really hammered when we saw it the first time. <laughs> you, you, yeah, you remember probably because we remember we we went into that really expensive Italian restaurant. Yeah, and then we sat down and we were like, uh, I was like, the yo, they don't even have prices on the menu, so that's how you already know it's gonna be fucking expensive, dude. I, you know what? I was really nervous, you know, because Scream is so important to me, my youth. It's one of my favorite franchises. Just going with you, I was just really like, you know, the pressure of the possibility of not liking it. But this movie is the one that I've seen the most in theaters. I, I believe I saw it four or five times in Jesus theaters. Jesus Christ, um, dude. Well, there's <laughs> a number. I mean, I went to see it with my wife. Jeremy, you liked friends. VHS 99. Shut the fuck up. But yeah, I mean, oh, like. Oh, man, I could go on this one real hard. Real hard. Listen, when you we first watched it, though, you weren't very hard on it either, so. Things change, but for me at least, the movie captured what we came to love, I felt, about the series as a whole, and some great new characters, some not-so-great characters, Um, but Jenna Ortega, she is along the lines in that group with Mia Goth as a new modern Scream Queen. I've loved everything she's done, and she's absolutely fantastic. Um, There are some things in the movie that did not work for me, but 
listen, if you want to hear a full in-depth discussion about the movie, we were we reviewed it earlier in the year. It was one of the first things we did, I think, back in January or so. Mm-hmm. So go give that a listen. But I mean, for me, at least, I personally liked this movie better than Scream 4. Um, that may be sacrilege I'm to out. Wes Craven, but Jeremy, Scream 4 looks like didn't, he's about to have an aneurysm. didn't even feel like a Wes Craven movie, and there's a lot of reasons probably why. Um, we, we'll never know. But this movie captured the essence to me, the, the visual style, the vibe, the tone, everything about it. It was a Scream movie. It felt like a Wes Craven Scream movie, and I think a lot of that had to do with Kevin Williamson being involved creatively with it. But I've said enough about it. I've talked about this movie since, since January I just have to say the the movie features one of the most emotionally gripping scenes of the entire franchise, and that is the death of Deputy Dewey. Um, oh, absolutely hard loved disagree. it. Mm. Hard disagree. Awful decision. There was no emotion. It was his ex-wife and Sydney mourning for fucking 30 seconds of the runtime, and then the next, the next moment, 30 seconds later, they're off to get the bad guys. Like, there was no emotional resonance with or impact with Dewey's death. Much like a lot of slasher films, one of the mistakes that they make is killing a character off and then the next scene it's, well, the plot's already moving along and we've already forgotten about what just happened to that character. I I feel like it didn't have that emotional impact. I don't, I don't disagree a, with what you're saying, but I'm saying it had that emotional impact for, for you, me as the for viewer. You. I got you. Because I got and that's, well, that and that's who it's supposed sense. to connect with. I mean, I, I definitely felt that point that you're referring to where after the fact, yeah, they're just sitting in the hospital. It seems glossed over, and then they move forward. They, I, I do agree forward. with you in that sense. Dude, it, awful, awful. Like, in real life, you know, obviously this is a movie, but in real life, when they're fucking going hunting for these killers, if that's where the story had to go, there would have been way more emotional impact. Gail would have been much more emotional. Sydney would have been much more emotional, but it was like they've already moved on because that was last seen. But but at the same time, and we're not going to talk about Scream forever here, we'll end it here, these characters have been through a lot. They've seen their friends and family get killed a lot over the last four movies leading up to this. So there's got to be some type of thick skin you know what I mean? Wes, yeah, there's I mean, a reason that Wes Craven never went through with killing off Dewey, Gale, or Sidney. There's a reason. It's because he he understood when he killed Randy off that there's just certain characters that you just don't do that to in this story. And insert these filmmakers that, that can say, for Wes, for Wes, as much as you fucking want, it wasn't for Wes. Like, you fucking did something completely opposing to anything that Wes Craven would have done in the story. And the ending was so goddamn lazy that they were like, oh shit, this is a Scream movie. We gotta we gotta add in a fucking twist ending. But like, we'll haphazardly weave together the motivation for these characters, why they became the killers in it. It was so fucking lazy. The writing was so bad. I will say, however, the teaser trailer for part six looks pretty fucking rad. I will say that. But I fucking hated part five. You didn't hate it until just now. God no, dude, I fucking, I have talked about how much I've, I loved the beginning of the movie. I loved some of the deaths. It was way more brutal than any of the Scream movies that came before it, in my opinion. Um, however, everything started to fall apart in the middle of the movie, and from the middle until the end of the movie, it was just like, they were trying to paint by numbers, but also doing things fundamentally different than what Wes Craven would have done in that world with those characters. 
I disagree, but we'll move on from that. No, we won't. We will fucking not move on, okay? <laughs> yes, we will move on from that, because you're forgetting that Kevin Williamson wrote all the movies, and he oversaw this movie. Wes Craven only directed Paycheck, baby. Paycheck. 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 Just, just okay. like John Carpenter fucking oversaw the new... Halloween trilogy that we got, and he was an executive producer. And we Paycheck, got one baby. really, we got one really great Halloween yes, movie out of that. So yes, I have no problem with that. Yes, but yes, which is actually on. my number. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, get the fuck out right now! Do you want to argue the entire time? Uh, anyways, number six for me is uh, Orphan First Kill. Uh, I, I, you know, I didn't really like the first Orphan movie. I thought that it had a really good twist that I think we all know now because it came out in 2009. Uh, where Esther is actually, you know, not nine years old and is this crazy, murderous woman who's just really, really tiny and looks like a little kid. So when they came out with the idea for Orphan First Kill and started showing trailers, I said, I don't really know how this is going to go because you already know the big twist and this is supposed to be the prequel. So like, how is this really going to do anything, right? Like you're going into it knowing the answer at the end. Um. But that being said, director William Brent Bell and writer David Coggeshall knew that that's what you were going to be going for. And so they still put another twist in there that really just flips the story on its head. And it happens about halfway through. And then the rest of the movie, you're like, Jesus Christ, like, what the fuck? Like, I did not see that coming. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's a fun movie. It's got the sinister twist still. And, and I think the whole idea of like Esther being this, this girl, this woman who's just crazy but can infiltrate a family and look like a nine-year-old daughter like that's just so crazy to me like imagine like jeremy you got kids justin you got kids too but jeremy you got young kids imagine just like scarlet one day comes up and is like yeah i'm like 36 years old ah. <laughs> <Yeah>. hey <Go. laughs> she's like smoking a newport how's it going <laughs> go get me some mickey's beer get some fucking gabagool uh but anyways like i i just really liked it and um Yes, yeah. I still so, need to see that. I haven't seen that. I haven't seen. I haven't, I haven't seen, seen the original Orphan either. Neither have I. Holy shit! How terrible horror fans we are. So you haven't seen Possessor. You haven't seen Orphan First Kill. Well, right. look at this. Is this, this is a horror this, podcast. All right, cool. my my resignation. <laughs> this is what's exciting, though. Is hey man, I'm surprised by a lot of your picks. So, well, you know, some of us care about you know branching out and watching different movies, and some of us care about watching Possessor. Dude, have you guys seen the? Kill. Have you guys seen the thing? <laughs> Is that the one by John Carpenter? Yes, it's fucking incredible. You should Is check it, it out sometime. It's a fucking masterpiece. You should check it out sometime. Oh. So I'm too busy watching The Thing over and over <laughs> to watch any of these other movies. <laughs> Jerry's like, sorry guys, I'm really busy right now. Yeah, in fact, uh, I gotta jump off here uh, to watch The Thing. <laughs> <laughs> you guys can finish it out, you'll be alright. Yeah, yeah, Like, Have you seen the Norris spider head? It's fucking incredible. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, Jeremy. You're next anyways, bitch. What you got? Number six. X gonna give it to you. Wow, that's... X gonna give it to you. That's low. AIDS. Very low. Uh, yeah. Dude, I... I'm glad it's on here. Yeah, I mean, like you guys said earlier, this has been a really good year for horror. Uh, Mm -hmm. I wasn't... And I've, I've talked about this before on the podcast. I wasn't super hot on the movies that came out in 2021. Like, it was a struggle for me to put together... Uh, top 10 list for that. Um, this year was the exact opposite for me, personally. I There were so many great horror films that, that I watched and that I loved, so making this list was 
also difficult because I loved so many movies this year and X was certainly one of them. I've been a big Ty West fan since the fucking roost. It's he's an incredible filmmaker. He's also a versatile filmmaker. I mean, he's made uh, films in other genres. Um, in the Valley of Violence was a Western that he did, which I, I really dug. Um, the Sacrament is probably still my favorite movie that that he made. It was about a cult and it was super creepy. It was, uh, you know, kind of a found footage type movie. Super effective, but I love Ty West, so when I heard that he was making a horror movie and that it was actually getting a wide release, I was blown away. I'm like, dude, here's this guy that I've been watching his movies for 15 years or so, and I've been championing him for all of these years, and now he's finally getting a movie that's that's being released in theaters everywhere, and this is incredible. So you watch the trailer, and immediately you get Texas Chainsaw Massacre vibes. And this, there's a lot of things that are obviously very much an homage to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but it added in so many new layers and different things into it that it, while also feeling familiar, it also felt new at the same time. I loved it. I mean, it was brutal as shit. It was uncomfortable. You've got old people that are like, fucking, it looked like Gargamel fucking... The fucking pit witch from Army of Darkness, and the way that the way that he was thrust, he was like, Yah! I mean, dude, like, like literally giving himself a heart attack from fucking his wife, like, uh, old Howard, old Howard, Howard um, the duck. <laughs> yeah, there there was a duck in it. Yeah, or that was Pearl. But uh, but yeah, man, like, there was a fucking alligator or a crocodile, whatever it was. I mean, dude, this movie had a whole bunch of different stuff in it. And it just all worked and landed really well for me. And the setting being, you know, amateur porn filmmakers. It was fantastic. I had a great time. I laughed. I was entertained. I was grossed out. Ty West did it again for me. So X gonna give it to you. Real quick. Do you know how to tell the difference between a crocodile and an alligator? They're snout, dude. Medulla oblongata. One says after a while. The other one says see you later. There it is. There it is. Now we know. The more you Brady, know, you're not you're not even a fucking dad. Okay, no, but I've had know. enough dads to know. So <laughs> let's go. Phil, dad jokes over here. All right, so my number six. Before we take a quick break and move on to our top five. If you're five five five, then I'm six six six. So look to be a heretic. Yep, 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 baby. Um, this is a movie that I anticipated for many, many years after his last movie, which was mostly considered a sophomore slump. I'm talking about Jordan Peele's Nope. Nope. It's enough horror, even though it's a neo-Western science fiction film at its core. There were some truly terrifying scenes in this movie. Nope. But it's also heightened by a fantastic cast, a lot of comedic moments, and some beautifully shot scenes that literally, I mean, he really stretched what this kind of movie could be. And he was making his own version of Jaws and Close Encounters mixed into one thing. And I loved the element of surprise here. Um, it was exciting because a movie like this, we kind of got an idea. Okay, it looks like it's an alien movie. And the trailer and the poster had a lot of mystery surrounding it. And you know with Peel, he's really going to push the envelope of what he can do with this, but also, Jeremy, this is another one you and I went to see early, and the idea that 
you could potentially be spoiled and the whole thing would be ruined for you was kind of exciting at the same time as it is frustrating because in the world we live in now, someone will see a movie earlier than everyone else and they won't be cool about it. They'll go on the internet and they'll fucking spoil the entire thing for people. And then it spreads and then by the time you go to the movies to see it, everyone already has told you what the movie is. Um, Unfortunately, uh, on one of the episodes we did, we did spoil it for someone because they lived uh, in Australia and the movie hadn't come out yet. And we did spoilers. But, I mean... that's why spoiler warnings are always really helpful. And yeah, I, I, I fucked up on Barbarian for my buddy, uh, Sam. I still feel really bad about it. You know, this movie, again, it, I don't think it's... It's definitely not my favorite of Peels, but it was great to see him playing in a huge sandbox with all of his toys and really doing whatever he wanted with it and creating another genre movie. And I just can't wait to see what he's going to do next. I mean, he's definitely one of the most gifted talented filmmakers out there right now and always coming up with ways to do new and original horror movies so i can't wait to see what he does next but that's my number six and we're going to take a quick promo break and when we come back our top five horror movies of 2022 we'll be right back hi this is mikey and this is maddie and we are the alone in the dark podcast Join us on this nostalgic journey through horror where you will find top five theme podcasts and audio commentaries curated for some of your favorite horror films. If you're into celebrating the best films that came out during a certain year, then you'll really dig our class of episodes. We even repurpose lines from your favorite horror movies to create a brand new story for our special In the World of Podcasts. We bring you something different each and every episode, so let us be your video store curators. Fun is guaranteed, and there are never any late fees. Remember... You're never really alone in the dark. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen, for our brain stew top 10 horror movies of 2022. We are down, you guys, to our top motherfucking five movies of the entire year. This shit is exciting. I can't wait to see where we go with this. Brady, we're going to kick it right back to you for your number five. Uh, well, again, uh, following you, number five for me is Jordan Peele's Nope. Uh, oh, made it to one. the top five. Talked on the show. Um, I think, so I liked Get Out a lot. Loved it. I even liked Us. But yeah, sure. It was a little bit of a slump. And I think with Nope, like Jordan Peele really flexed his muscles as a filmmaker in general. Like you said, Justin, it's not straight horror or thriller. There's a bunch of stuff in it. And I think that he really showed like, yeah, like I can do this. Like it's not just the hype. Um, again, if you go back in the episode, you'll hear that I thought it was supposed to be about like these like weird horse hybrid alien things. Uh, that is not <laughs> what um, But what we got was the really great sci-fi western adventure movie about spectacle and how society flocks to these spectacles even at the detriment of their own health and well-being. I think Daniel, is it Kaluuya? Yes. And Kiki Palmer are so fucking good playing off of each other as brother and sister. Like the chemistry is just perfect. And then Steven Yuen as Ricky Juke Park that traumatized former child star was perfect. And that fucking monkey, Gordy the monkey, just killing people on that set. God, One of the scariest scenes of the entire year. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Uh, And I think it's just a beautiful movie. Like, it just, everything looks so good. And uh, the thing that I think it does kind of, like, not mess up on, but it gets bad marks for me, is that, like, once you know what it is, 
seeing it a second time just isn't quite the same. I agree. Like, it's still a great movie. I agree. But it's just like once that twist goes away or that reveal, you're like, all right, like it's still a cool movie, but like there's nothing like seeing it for the first time. And yeah, I mean, when I, when I when I saw it a second time in theaters, it definitely took the mystique away of whatever it was that was happening. But it was kind of exciting to see it with Danielle and kind of see what her reaction was to it. But I know what you mean. And one thing I, I, I totally forgot and I left out in my listing it as my number six is the standout angel, the fast-talking, charismatic oh, yeah. angel. I thought he was fantastic in the movie as well. The tech so. guy? Yeah, he was yeah, great. The and guy. the soundtrack, I mean, Jordan Peele's soundtracks are always fucking great. I think it doesn't beat us because that remix of I Put Five on it was stuck in my head. Oh, it was great, but dude. Five on it. Yep. Dude, Corey Hart's Sunglasses at Night, yeah. all super slowed down. I mean, I already love that song. It's one of my favorite 80 songs of all time. But for real, it was just iconic, dude. Right, he, so kn- he really knows how to do needle drops. If it came down between Corey Hart and Richard Marks, who's who's getting on the lifeboat with you? Um, I, That's really hard, I dude, but. Well, we I grew up on, I, on I, I grew up on Richard Marks, and I have an emotional connection to it with my childhood, so I probably got to say it. But, dude, Sunglasses at Night is, I think, an, a more iconic <laughs> song overall. You got to pull the trigger on one. I mean, it's one song versus a lot of songs, so I'll say Richard Marks. Sorry, Corey Hart. We hate you on uh, Brain Steel. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Great pick, dude. Great, fantastic pick. Jeremy, on to you for your number five. Number five was a movie that I don't think we talked about very much on the show. Uh, Fresh. Dude. Mm. Yeah, I read a review for it. I loved Fresh. Like, it was fresh. (laughs) Like, it was was a breath of fresh air. Um, I went into this not knowing anything about it. I hadn't even watched a trailer for it. I woke up. Super early one morning, my my kids were sleeping, wife was sleeping, and I was like, man, I'm awake, I kind of want to watch something, and I had seen a couple people post, like, man, this movie was really good. It was streaming, I said, fuck it, I threw it on. I was blown away by the envelopes that it pushed, and some of the things that it did, uh, revolving around cannibalism, and Mm. there was a lot of gratuitous violence in it, that it's just like, oh, damn, that person's entire ass cheek just got cut off, and now they're the next scene is they're literally eating it. Like, holy fuck! Um, Daisy Edgar Jones is beautiful. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, like literally so beautiful that watching her in the movie, you're like, wow, that's just like a really not only is she like an incredible actress, but like she's super super pretty. Sebastian Stan, the Winter fucking Soldier, yeah. plays yeah, he's incredible fucking, in that movie. Plays a psychotic fucking cannibal like dude that like is a sociopath he's like he looks at people like nothing like they have no value except for what he can gain monetarily from harvesting their organs and selling it to rich dudes like a fucking amazon package like oh i'm just gonna like mail off this uh this butt cheek to these uh these rich people for you know seven hundred thousand dollars yeah like it's uh it's awesome, man. It, it was it was a great movie. Um, brutal at times, and, you know, you really go on a journey with this character. Uh, you know, you see her meeting him. She's thinking she's falling in love. Now she's captive. Now she's trying to figure out what she needs to do to survive. And the payoff at the end of it, I was fucking fist-pumping, fist man. And Sebastian Stan was truly terrifying. 
dude, they, in the role. Dropped the the title card. I think until like twenty thirty minutes in. Dude, yeah, you are absolutely correct. Um, you know, I, I'm noticing a, a trend with with the title cards. I mean, dude, Avatar: The Way of Water didn't even have a title card. Don't know if you realize that. Like, I was like, oh, that's weird. They didn't even have a title card for this movie. And then like these other movies are like, oh yeah, we'll throw it in like half an hour in. Barbarian was the same, wasn't it? Wasn't wasn't the title? I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure it was much, much later in. Yeah. Interesting, man. Interesting. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed this movie. If you haven't seen it, it's a great fucking horror movie. Definitely a sleeper, man. And I'm, I'm happy that you had it on your list. I don't have it on my list, um, but I, I, I knew one of you would. Yeah. 100% because I remember you being really really hot on it when it first came out and I really enjoyed it when I watched it and much like you Jeremy I had no idea what it was except for I knew what the cast was and I watched the trailer once and was like I'm in I'm in so but moving on to my number five this pick well there's a lot of reasons why I chose this movie and it's not traditional in the sense of what you consider a normal horror movie but I have to list it on here and no it's not just because I was in it it's Uh-oh. the WNUF Halloween sequel, a.k.a. the Out There Halloween Megatape. Um, this thing is a sequel to one of my favorite things ever to ever exist in the history of mankind. And I actually have Jeremy to thank for telling me about it uh, many, many, many years ago. Every time I remind you of that, you don't seem to remember. Yep, I don't. Um, <laughs> but it was, it was literally a, a random text around Halloween season. Like I think it was maybe the year after I had first met you. Where sometimes you would just text me and be like, dude, have you ever seen this? Check this out or whatever. Um, and it was one of those things. And I looked it up. I, I, I streamed it and fell in love with it. And once I found out that Chris LaMartina was going to make a sequel to this and they were doing, you know, shoots with extras, I jumped on that shit. Um, I went to the premiere in Baltimore. It was absolutely fantastic. And what I love is he perfectly captures an era much like what he did with the first one with you know commercials in the 1980s and kind of like the ghost paranormal genre with the sequel they take on 90s and aliens and the popularity and paranoia that came along with that as long as well as the fascination and trash tv i mean jeremy you remember i'd sit on my Jerry, days off from Jerry, school and watch Jerry, Jerry Springer. I yep. mean, yeah, of course I'd watch fucking Bob Barker and the Price is Right with my grandma, but when she went into the other room, Jerry, man, 100%. I mean, it, it was such a huge part of of television in the 90s, and I love what he, he did here with this. It was just absolutely fantastic. And again, perfectly capturing the Halloween spirit, which is my favorite thing in the entire world. So number five for me, is the Out There Megatape, the WNUF Halloween sequel. Nice, man. Um, well, number four for me has already been discussed, but it is Scream or Five Cream. Uh, Five Cream! <laughs> you know, I, I'm not going to start another argument here. I Scream is my oh, favorite, I am. favorite franchise. I am. No, start another uh, argument, Brady. Scream is my favorite. The original Scream is my favorite horror movie of all time. Uh, so, you know, definitely going into the year, the hype around this was was very huge for me, much like Justin. Um I loved it. I loved the new characters mostly. I hated the killers in this one. I think these are probably my least favorite killers. Um, I could agree with that. Dewey's death. Uh, I loved it. It was very gutting. Um, truthfully, I mean, he was supposed to be killed off in the first movie. So, like, really, he's been on yeah, long yeah, time. Yeah, we all yeah. grew to love him. I get it. Like, I And he almost died in the second movie as well. Right. And I didn't <laughs> yeah, want to yeah. see him die. 
but I think that the send-off for him was done really well. Like, it was very impactful, um, and they didn't have to do that. I mean, hopefully, you know, they knew that they should, but they didn't have to. Um, and then the whole theme of, like, toxic fandom, sure, I get it. I thought it was a little overdone. Like, it, I think I just really didn't like the killer, so whatever reason they came up with, I was going to, like, shit all over. But at the end of the day, it's still a fun, meta-scream movie, great kills, the witty banter and dialogue, and then some char- characters that are really going to drive the rest of the, the franchise forward. So, yeah. Yeah, so I have to ask you know, on the spot, where does it rank among the other movies? Like in the Scream franchise? For yeah, me? where do you where do you rank it in the sequels? Uh, I th- believe on the one with Ryan, I said it was my fourth. I totally forgot we did that with Ryan. Go check out that episode we did yeah. with Ryan C. Showers, the Scream podcast. Yeah, we did do that. Holy shit, I totally forgot. Oh, my bad. Well, yeah. I have a terrible memory, and now that I'm sober, uh, you know, my memories are starting to come back, or some of it's, you know, a little bit foggy there. But, all right, fantastic yeah, pick, so man. that's my number four. Jeremy, What's uh, what you got? Number four for me. It's a movie about a movie. an alien coming to Earth. Oh, my God, and I'm the talking thing isn't doesn't count. <laughs> I'm like, have you seen John Carpenter's The Thing? <laughs> it's fucking incredible. It's just the trailer for like some there's, YouTuber saying like, he's there's, is, is that the one with Snake Plissken in it? There's a scene where a dude's head falls off his, his body and then spider legs come out. Dude, is it like done with practical effects or something? Dude, it's, I don't know how they did it, bro, but it's amazing. Can you find the scene on YouTube? Should I like look it up? What's YouTube? Oh. Does that not exist yet? <laughs> I'm talking about Prey. You guys thought maybe I was going to yeah. talk about Nope. Mm-hmm. Prey, dude. The Predator nope. prequel. Nope. nope. My name's Slavester Stallone. <laughs> nope. Hey, did you come to my event? Because if you do not pay, I will not stay. Keep punching. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm talking. They did pay. <laughs> they they did pay, but he, apparently to him, not enough. He was like, "How many people are left in line? Like 250." <laughs> I'm the Tulsa king. <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> Gotta go home. Watch Matlock. <laughs> Eat a biscuit. <laughs> Dude, cause, uh, oh, man, I don't know why that's so funny to me. His wife's like, where are you going? He's like, me, Sylvester Stallone? She's like, y- yes, you. He's like, I'm going down to the kitchen. I'm going to get a biscuit. <laughs> <laughs> you ever had a biscuit before? <laughs> nope. Not this biscuit. Oh, God. So, <laughs> the Predator. <laughs> nope. The Predator prequel, Prey, which came to Hulu... It was amazing, dude. You know, we we've gotten some some cool Predator sequels, but none of them have ever come close to the original. I mean, part two is rad. Everybody can fucking agree on it, but it's also oh, yeah. a, it's also a batshit crazy sequel. Like a lot of the things that made the first one work is it's just military dudes in the woods. And in the sequel, which was written by the same people. All of a sudden, we're like kind of in this weird, like futuristic alternate timeline thing. For me, it's always still kind of jarring watching part one and then watching part two because it feels like it's just two different like realities. Um, but this one, having the uh, 
Native American backdrop and it being a prequel. I loved it, man. And, and you know, it was the story about uh, a female warrior and her trying to prove her self-worth to her tribe um, while there's an alien that's attacking, you know, and also hunting them. I loved it. I loved everything about it. Uh, I also found it, like, emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it hit some true. emotional connection to where, like, dude, I, I know I talked about it on the show, but I was on vacation with my family. I, I threw on some fucking headphones. I was literally sitting on the well, beach. Were you on the beach? I was <laughs> on the beach. I literally put a towel over my face because, like, it was so bright out that I was, you know, having difficulty watching this movie on my phone screen. That's how I was watching it because I was so into it. I was like, I have to finish this movie. And, dude, I got teary-eyed under my fucking, my beach towel at the finale of this movie. It connected with me in a way that I didn't expect, and it was just, that's how you fucking do it. That's how you do it. You know, Make an alien movie. If you want to do an alien prequel, make one that's like that. Like, that's it. Like, I, I, I really, really enjoyed this movie. And I, honestly, I can't wait to see what they do with this franchise next. Yeah, yeah I can't exciting. wait. I can't wait to see what they do with it next. And, you know, my number four is also Prey. Jesus Christ. Are you fucking you kidding me? I'm not kidding you, dude. I'm look. I, I could send you my list right now. I, I love um, it. I love it. I absolutely loved this movie. The biggest crime this year in movies is that we didn't get to see this on the big screen. 100%. Um, you know, Dan Trachtenberg did a fantastic job directing and co-writing this thing, and I, I, I was so drawn to it. I mean... Much like you said, Jeremy, there's some good in the sequels. I've always liked two. I've always thought it was solid as its own mm-hmm. thing. Um, I also think Predators is fine. Um, the AVP movies, I never discuss. I don't talk about those. Uh, I like the just, first one on, listen, a, on an entertainment I, I level. I feel like people have mentioned to me that they'd like us to review those two movies at some point, so I would love to sometime t- take the, the time to sit and rewatch them and do like a retrospective on them because there is a lot to talk about. Um, and then, of course, you know, we got The Predator, which Shane Black directed and written by Fred Decker, who we love. And there were some interesting things there, but we also know studio meddling and interference kind of changed what that movie was supposed to be into something else. So, unfortunately, it wasn't what, you know, the movie it could have been. But here, it's so straightforward. It's back to basics. And, you know, a lot of people complained. It took, like, however many guys in the original machine guns to be able to kill this thing, but yet you have a female warrior that defeats it, and they missed the point of the end of the first one. The only way that Arnold was able to beat the thing was to strip down, cover himself in mud, and go old school, you know, like true warrior style. And I think they truly captured that with the sequel. It is absolutely brutal. This is, in my opinion, the most brutal and scary Predator movie that there is. I mean, the fight sequences, uh, you know, with the Predator taking out some of those colonizer dudes, like, it was absolutely insane. It was batshit crazy. I just had such a blast with it, and and it was so original in terms of what they did with the Predator. I, I know a lot of people also complained about the look. I loved the design of the Predator. I, I know, you know, it, maybe it took some getting used to because a lot of people are like, well, you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it. But I, I liked that they did something slightly different with the design. Overall, fantastic movie in my top five. I'm praying, Jeremy. I haven't heard anything about this. 
It's been a while since no one's talked about it. I hope they give it a physical release because I definitely want to own this in my collection. Same. Same. And if they don't, I know a guy. Mm. You know a guy, yeah? Nope. Is it the Tulsa King? <laughs> <laughs> I, look, I got a biscuit. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking biscuits. All right, Brady, moving on to you for your number three. Uh, so I'm, uh-huh. I don't think I was officially on the pod when you guys did 2021. On the pod. On the pod. Um, so No, you weren't. I don't think you were. I don't I, remember. I, I wasn't. I think I, the first one I really came on for was Scream and Texas Chainsaw, I think. Um, but uh, if I had been on there, I would have said that my number one horror movie of 2021 was Nighthouse for me, and in a large part due to Rebecca Hall's performance. Uh, and she like fucking followed it up with another incredible showing opposite Tim Roth, who is just great in everything he does too, um, in Andrew Seaman's psychological thriller Resurrection. Have you guys seen it, either of you? Nope, bad, bad horror I have not fan. seen it. Um, we're both we're both terrible horror fans. It's funny because <laughs> listen, bro, I got us, I got kids and shit. All right, changing diapers, you know what this is? going to kids' birthday parties, motherfucker. I don't got time to watch movies like you do. Is that bitch. is that the world's smallest That's violin? The world's smallest violin playing just for uh, Bear. Okay, all right. Okay, how you gonna do me? Mm-hmm. Anyways, it follows a successful businesswoman named Margaret, played by Rebecca Hall, as her life is turned upside down after an abusive ex boyfriend resurfaces in her life causing her to spiral out of control and protect her family. Uh, it's really great for those of us fans who love uh, dialogue-driven, slow burner, kind of like in the same thing like as it. 24. Um, and the ending also kind of leaves you with this feeling of nothing really got wrapped up, and it's ambiguous enough where you can kind of make up your own ending for it. Uh, so I really appreciated that aspect of it. Um, and then getting back to Rebecca Hall, like I just... I really enjoy her performances, like her very emotionally driven horror or thriller performances. I thought it was great in the night house. You can say what you want about the movie as a whole and like the ending and the reveal of it, but I, I think that there's nothing wrong with her performances. I think that she's great. No, and, she's brilliant, man. Um pairing her against Tim Roth was like a masterclass on acting. So I mean I, I don't want to give you guys any details, but the movie takes on these themes of abuse and gaslighting, kind of like men did, um, and the manipulation of it all, and just peels back the layers because the whole time you're watching Tim Roth and you're thinking, man, like what a douche, or like I'd never fall for his stuff, but then you find yourself sometimes not believing Rebecca Hall's character, like she becomes this like, um, like inconsistent narrator or untruthful narrator, and it's just like. <sighs> It's a really great way to tell that kind of story because I, I think it really gets the point across. And you're like, "Wow, this is like intense." And then the end, you're like, "What the fuck just happened?" So, check it out. It's pretty good. It's my number three. Brady coming through with more and more movies. Me and Jeremy haven't seen. You're surprising the shit out of me. But you know what? That's what I expect from you, B. Ready? You know, I don't got kids. <laughs> 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 I don't have anything. All right, I'll make the joke. Anyways, go ahead. Go on, Jeremy. Jeremy's number three. Keep punching. Uh, it's number three for me is Netflix, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, my fucking God. Oh, this my God. Right this Number high. three, bro. I loved it. That's why it. I love Jeremy, though. That's why I, I loved love it, dude. It, it delivered on everything that I feel like 
the past several sequels to Texas Chainsaw Massacre have not been able to deliver on. I'm going to, you know, use a phrase that I, I said for Blackphone. It, it, it told a very simple and effective story. It didn't try to be anything that it wasn't. It didn't try to tell... Very true. You know, all of these, you know, life lessons and, you know, hot, relevant topics in disguised in the horror film. Um, it was just a straightforward Texas Chainsaw Massacre slasher film. That's what it was. Yes, I, I, I actually, I'll, I'll go back a little bit. It did have stuff about the chick was a school shooting survivor and some things like that. But, dude, it was a very simple and effective story. You know, uh, it was brutal as shit. There were points where I, I laughed. The runtime was so lean that it just... There was no points where you'd be like, oh, man, this is this part's kind of dragging a little bit. The only thing that I didn't love about it is how they, they did the Sally Hardesty character. I felt like... Yeah, they shit all over that. I feel sure. like they fucked that up. However, I can forgive it because I, I really loved that movie. I met Mark Burnham, the actor that played Leatherface in the film, and I was stoked as fuck to meet him because that's how much I loved this movie. I loved it. I thought it was fucking fantastic. And that ending, man, that is what the fuck I'm talking about. Horror films used to always try to nail endings like that. And most of the time, they didn't. Most of the time, it was a miss, right? Where all of a sudden, you know, you think the bad guy's dead. And then they pop back out and surprise you. This one, I literally, my jaw dropped. I could not believe the way that they ended this movie in the best possible way. I loved the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2022 on Netflix. I cannot wait to see what they do next. They have the same creative team coming back to do allegedly two more films. And I fucking can't wait to see what those look like. I will give a spoiler. It's not on my list, but I also enjoyed the shit out of it. If you guys are interested, we actually did a review with Mike Vanderbilt from Halloweenies earlier this year. I thought it was a blast too. Brady's Brady's been... He's been holding his face in his hands this entire time, sigh after sigh, eye roll after eye roll. It doesn't hurt that bad. I don't either. care. You it's guys, put, you guys put Scream on your lists, and they fucking offed Dewey, such an important character in that franchise. Like he was fucking nothing. So you guys can eat a bag of dicks, both of you. Just hey, bag I was of just, dicks. I was just supporting this movie. The hell with you. Come on. It would <laughs> it'd be a lot easier for me to handle if you hadn't already put VHS 99 on your list. <laughs> <laughs> Just bringing up a lot of trauma. Well, Brady, I'll, 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 I'll make this easier for you. I'll get to my number three, and my number three was already mentioned. It's Ty West's Pearl. I absolutely adore this movie. Now, I may possibly do a Patreon thing where I do my top ten just all movies of the year, and this movie would definitely still be in my top five movies of the entire year, all genres, because it is a genre bender. Um, Jeremy already put it perfectly earlier. It's like a beautiful take on those old Technicolor classic musicals. Mia Goth is just absolutely brilliant. Another one of the hugest fails in Hollywood history happened this year. Listen, if Kathy Bates can win an Oscar for Misery, why the fuck has Mia Goth 
not gotten nominated for anything for her role here. It is yeah, I agree. one of the best, I'm just saying it, whatever, one of the best performances ever, ever to grace the genre. It's beautiful. It's madness. It's this crazy descent into pure evil. It's it's very much akin to Psycho and West's own version on this, you know, farmhouse setting. And I absolutely love the difference between Pearl and, and X. They're yeah. two completely different kinds of movies. And yes, there is blood, there's gore, there's extreme violence in Pearl, but it's done beautifully. It's it's not done really I don't I didn't feel uncomfortable. I, I, I thought it was it is a beautiful flow of blood gushing all over. Um Everything Jeremy already said was perfect. The score, which Tyler Bates worked on, a throwback to classic cinema. I just I love classic cinema. I grew up on it. I, I love all genres. And this movie really just nailed that for me, that time period. And it was a joy to see on the big screen. I got to see it at the drive-in as well as seeing it at a press screening, which I drove, I think, like two and a half hours in traffic for and like three people showed up. But it was worth it. It's, it's one of the best movies of the year in general. Yeah, great pick, guys. Yep. And so we're moving on to you, Brady. We're down to the top two. What is your... Number two. Number two for me uh, is Ty West's X. Um, And I think, you know, Jeremy, you summed it up perfectly. It's... I didn't like the latest Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie, um, but the original... Oh, you didn't? Really? I thought you liked it. I I think I'm right. I've said a couple things about it. Um, But... (laughs) Uh, the original is one of the, the most terrifying movies, like still to this day for me. Like it's hard to get through that movie, especially the end where like she's screaming and. But, um, so when when X came out, I said, you know, I don't really know a lot about it. It's they're making a porno, and it's supposed to be in the seventies. And like, if you guys haven't caught on by now, like I love anything like that seventies vibe. Uh, and Brittany Snow, I've been in love with her since she was in Vin Diesel's The Pacifier. So like, <laughs> been a long time coming. Uh, nice pull, nice pull, nice pull. And uh, but I, it's just it was so fucking good. Like at times, it's just this simple story of this old couple killing people. Like at the end of the day, that's what it is. And then you peel back the layers and you get into the performances and just like these filmmakers <laughs> are just getting decimated by this couple. And yeah, there's like the weird old people sex that wasn't really a highlight of the movie for me um it was for me yeah i'm sure it was but i loved it man i i just enjoy watching it and it's again it's like one of those popcorn flicks you can put on like just throw it on and and have it in the background that's what it's become for me at least so that's why i go with ty west's very nice very very nice jeremy you're on to your number two also hold up before jeremy goes there is (laughs) i said something the other day to myself and then looked in the mirror in the bathroom, and I went, "You're a fucking sex symbol," <laughs> <laughs> just like uh, Maxine. <laughs> You're a fucking sex. Symbol. Did you shave your eyebrows before you said it? Though? Of course I did. <laughs> Talking about. So, like, does she shave her eyebrows, or can she just like not grow them? No, they're just really thin. I looked it up. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, where is her eyebrows, Google? Where are me a goth Google, person? where are her eyebrows? <laughs> it's a valid question, right? I mean, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I've, 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 
asked myself that question. I'm like, where are her eyebrows? And Justin did the legwork and actually did research on it. Yeah. And it's genetics. Yeah. I, I, at first, I asked my wife, too, because I was like, is that a thing or what? And she's like, no, just look it up. I'm telling you. And then Shia... i ask a woman about these things. Shia Buff was like, man, I like that shit. What's up, bitch? I like the fact you don't have any fucking eyebrows. Yeah, he probably said it just like that. Yeah. 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 One of my buddies uh, ran into Shia LaBeouf. This is years ago now. Uh, he was living in L.A. and was at the bar watching a sports game. And all of a sudden, dude came in and sat at the bar next to him. <laughs> it was Shia LaBeouf. And he looked over and he made eye contact with him. And the moment they made eye contact, Shia LaBeouf immediately went, All right, look, I don't want to... F- I know you know who the fuck I am, and I don't even want to talk to you. I don't want to talk to anybody. I just want to sit here, and I want to drink in silence. And he was like, okay, man, like, I literally didn't even say anything to you. Like, yeah. we just made eye contact with each other. He's like, I'm just letting you know. He's like, okay, man. Well, it's good to level set like that. <laughs> right off the bat. <laughs> Boundaries. Uh, so my number two oh, is nope. Jordan Peele's nope. Mm. Masterpiece, man. It's a masterpiece. It delivered everything that I wanted out of this from not having any idea, like every Jordan Peele movie, what it's going to be about. I loved it. I loved the twist ending. Spoiler alert. I'm going to spoil some shit if you haven't seen it. It's a goddamn space dragon, literally like a dragon from outer space that comes and is like a Hoover vacuum and is like sucking people into it to eat them like we're Listen, its food Jeremy, source. I thought we already concluded it's a space vagina. It's kind of. It looks like one. Kind of, yeah. I mean, dude, like all of all of the marketing <laughs> and advertisements made you think that it was an alien spaceship that had aliens inside of it that had come to Earth. And that's kind of what you would expect from it. And Jordan Peele was like, no, the spaceship is an alien. It's not a spaceship. It's actually a flying space monster that sucks people into it for food. Like this thing has to eat just like everything. It has to fucking eat. Just like you and me. Here it is. And I loved it. The performances were incredible. I mean, oh man, I was captivated by this movie from the very beginning until the very end. I was on the edge of my seat. Gordy, the chimpanzee, holy shit. Yeah. Absolute nightmare fuel. Easily one of the scariest things I've seen in any film in a very, very, very long time. Just the blood on his face with the color scheme of his eyes, you know, with blood and him walking slowly towards this kid that's under a table. Holy shit. It was absolutely terrifying. And that's the genius of Jordan Peele is that he knew... He added in this thing that realistically didn't belong in the movie. Like, let's be honest, it it was a backstory for one of the characters, but it really, for the grand scheme of things, it didn't really play into the plot of the movie very much. But that's what that's the genius of Jordan Peele. He's like, you know what else I'm going to do? I'm going to have this 90s sitcom segment where a chimpanzee kills everybody on set and, like, fucking eats this chick's face. And it was the scariest part of the entire movie and I loved it and I loved the space vagina dragon mm-hmm. everything about this movie I was there for you know uh, Us didn't land for me very much it was still a super entertaining horror film this movie blew me the fuck away I honestly 
I I really thought that this was going to be my number one of the entire year because that's how much I loved this movie. And then I saw another movie, and it, by God, blew me away. So I, you know. <laughs> Crazy girl. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, Nope, Nope is amazing. And much like I said about Ty West, I can't wait to see what Jordan Peele does next because I'm there for it. Day one. Day one. Number two. Hey, great pick, man. Yeah, I think Keep punching. Pick. Gordy is definitely, like, probably tied for the scariest part for me. The other one is when they're all at the park and get sucked up into the space vagina dragon monster. Oh. And, like, just watching that whole scene of it just, like, compressing and literally eating them was like, whoa. But I was also, I like, say. slightly hard, too. So, <laughs> I mean, dude, for all these years of seeing alien movies... Nothing had topped the alien abduction scenes in Fire Fire in the Sky for me. Yeah. yeah. And when I saw this, this matched it because yeah. it was so uncomfortable. It was so claustrophobic. It literally captured what it would be like to be abducted, captured by this being and sucked into the vagina hole. It was fucking <laughs> terrifying. I wonder if it smells in there. Ew. It looked like it might smell. Probably. What do know. you think it smelled like? If you had to guess. Um... A flower. <sighs> I forget. I forget the name of it, but I I I briefly worked in the meat department in a grocery store oh when I was like oh when I was God. like twenty, and it's the uh it's like white intestine stuff that they sell, and I can't remember the fucking name oh, of it. Um, but it's, it's uh, fuck. It's like right there. Yeah, dude. I I can't I can't think of the name right now. But dude, the smell of it. It's like yo, people eat this. It's white. It's like a stomach intestine. And it smells so fucking bad, and I I bet you that's what it smells like. Yeah, are you googling it, Brady? Well, it, 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 well, it looked to, it looked like billowy flesh for sure. So I would assume it would have some kind of a scent. But as you're looking that up, I'll go ahead with my number two. Brady can't find it anyway. I, well, my search history is like billowy meat for soups. <laughs> <laughs> But the, my number two is a movie we've already talked about, um, Ty West X. Brilliant fucking throwback to 1970s grindhouse exploitation movies and slashers, as well as his own take on the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Loved the cast. Mia Goth is brilliant in the movie. Jenna Ortega. Um, you know, I, I love Tri- all of the kills tripe. in the movie. Tripe. Tripe. Yep. Tripe. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this movie knocked my socks off. Uh, I'm going to continue to watch it over and over again. Once A24 finally releases this and Pearl in a 4K set, I'm probably at some point going to pick it up after Maxine comes out because I'm sure they're going to do like a $150 set for all three or some shit. Yeah. But thanks, thanks yeah. to a thanks to a friend of ours, we uh we may or may not know some secret casting for the next one, which we may is we may. obviously we're not going to say, but it's super fucking exciting. Yeah. Someone we know auditioned for the movie and uh, told us a little of information, but we're going to hold that back. Maybe if things go well, we'll bring them on to talk about it. Yeah. But yes, very, very exciting. I can't wait to see Maxine. It sounds fucking perfect. And I'm calling it now. The movie's going to channel Brian De Palma. I know Ty West. I know his sensibilities. It's going to be like Blowout. Mm-hmm. It's going to be like Body Double. It's going to be like Dress to Kill. I'm telling you right now. Okay. That was that was my number two. So we are down right now 
to number one. Brady, what do you got, buddy? So my number one. Make it good, goddammit. Has already been talked about. Okay, so it'll be good then. It's VHS. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> it's, uh, it's fresh. No, I mean, Jeremy talked about it earlier. I was like, fuck. But for me, I had to think about like what movie made me feel like just different than a cannibal? else. You, I mean, did I you, did you learn you're a cannibal from uh, that? I learned that a long time ago. Uh, that makes it sound like uh, I ate somebody. I have not eaten anybody yet. Um, but yeah, I mean, this this movie just like, it was so out there, right? Like you, <laughs> you're following this guy and this girl who are like so tired of being on the apps and they meet in the grocery store and he's eating cotton candy grapes and he's very charismatic and she's been looking for it and then they're going pretty fast and then out of nowhere he's like, yeah, I don't have like social media but I want you to come out with me to this cabin in like upstate New York or whatever and they've been dating for like, what, two weeks at this point? She's like, yeah, "Yeah, sure and her friend's like, no, like don't do this. Like this is not good and then you get there and he knocks her out and you're like, what the fuck is going on? And he seemed like he was legit so charming and so, so cool. And then it just flips and she's chained up and Jeremy's right. Asses are getting cut off. And like he <laughs> basically has this this meal delivery service for all these rich people where he can just feed them the people that he kidnaps and, and, and cuts up. And uh, it was just crazy. Like I, Sebastian Stan's performance was outrageous. Like at times he's charismatic. At times he's unhinged. At times he's goofing off to Phil Collins, like in the kitchen cooking. Like yeah. that's the other thing about this movie is like the soundtrack was so fucking good. Like I listened to it for at least like two weeks in a row because it just it's it's that juxtaposition. Like all of these awful things are happening, but you have this like lively '80s club music or like '90s dance music, and it's like, what the fuck am I watching? Like it's it's almost like I said earlier, like a sensory overload where you're sitting there like I don't know like how to function in this. And then the end is brutal as fuck, and like. I just I I loved it. Uh, I've watched it a couple times this year. I recommend it to everybody when people have asked me throughout the year, like, what horror movie should I watch? And it's fresh. Like, you have to watch it. Yeah. So good. So good. So that's my number one. Number one, 2022, was fresh. Fantastic pick, man. I, I love the fact that you guys championed that one. Maybe I need to give it another watch. Yeah. I really did enjoy it. All right, Jeremy. Jeremy, we're down to you, man. Drum roll. For number one. I'm sure you guys have probably guessed what my number one is going to be. If it's my number one, we can just talk about it together. Terrifier 2. Yep, it's Terrifier 2. Yep. Uh, just when when you think you've seen everything that a slasher film or the slasher genre has to offer, you get a gift in the form of what Mike Flanagan has dubbed the Mega Slasher. Which I'm cool with that. That fucking sounds rad. If you That's a if, great title, if, man. If Mega Slasher is what Terrifier 2 is, then I want more Mega Slashers. Like, give me the most over-the-top, brutal, relentless, gore-soaked, insane slasher movies ever. Because that's what Terrifier 2 was. I, as I've said... I was okay with the first Terrifier. Uh, there's a lot of, of good in it that, you know, I think what kind of got people into Art the Clown, but people, the horror community was, you know, very much championing Art the Clown as the next horror. They were horror. desperate, man. They, they really yeah, were desperate. as the next horror icon. And I was like, having watched Terrifier, the first one, I was like, yeah, I mean, like, obviously I get it. But at the same time, like, I don't think that this character is that. I don't think he's the next horror icon. I didn't see it. To me, 
Victor Crawley was way more a better next horror icon because, you know, Victor Crawley was just like the character that we would have gotten out of the heyday of 80s slashers. Victor Crawley was awesome. It was the next, you know, Jason Voorhees. It was the next Leatherface. Um, so when people were like, oh, it's Art the Clown, Art the Clown, I'm like, I don't get it. I don't get it. And then I saw this. And I kind of, I, Justin, you remember, I had literally no interest in Terrifier 2. Not one fucking bit. I, I remember calling you after I saw it. Dude, and when you told me, dude, I don't want to spoil things for you, but this is something that you have to see. The way that you describe this movie and the passion in your voice and, and, and everything that you said to me, I knew, all right, fuck, I, I guess I'm going to see this movie that I really don't care about in theaters. Because I got I to gotta see if, if Justin's right on this one or if like maybe he saw something in it that I'm not going to see. And, man, it was disgusting. And every single time, it was uncomfortable. And every single time you thought, like, okay, this kill scene is over with, it would go on for another minute and a half to where you're just like, oh, my God. You know, uh, a lot of people would probably see this and go, it was just too much for me. However, obviously, this is exactly what the horror community wanted because it went from being a little indie darling to being talked about on major talk shows to making real money at the box office and showing... 12 million. 12 million on a $250,000 budget. Yeah, dude. and showing showing people that, hey, like these things can make money and they will make money if they're done for the right reasons. You know... This one was done because Damien Leone obviously had a vision and he had complete ownership over making this movie. It was not a studio film. He literally could do anything that he wanted that he had the budget for, period. Now, hearing that he signed with an agency and hearing that said agency is actively looking to find a studio to back Part three, it's great because we know he's going to have a bigger budget and sandbox to play in, but it also is concerning because when people are willing to give you millions of dollars, you have to listen to what they say. Of course, you pick and you choose your battles, but when somebody's giving you potentially a million dollars, more than a million dollars, and they've got notes and they've got ideas, sometimes it's uh, give and take. And I'd like to think, you know, on that subject, I mean, it's something that we're going to talk about a lot before we see what happens with the third one. I really do believe in Damien and his integrity, and I'd like to think that he's going to keep that intact, that part of his deal will be, listen, we can do this, but it needs to be my vision, 80% what I want, 20% what you know, there's got to be, like you said, give and take. A fine balance. Yeah, absolutely. And if, you know, that's like Steven Spielberg, you know, he has complete it doesn't matter the studios that are that are financing these things you know that he has complete creative control absolutely James Cameron complete creative control he literally told executives at Fox to get the fuck out of his office when they came to him with notes get the fuck out and it's slaying at the box office somebody like that you know you got to give them the tools that they need to make the movie, but you just got to let them create the art. Let them, yeah, yeah. let them make the Listen, art. they've got the paintbrush in their hand. They've got the canvas. 
Let them fucking paint their picture. Don't come in and tell them where to do the brush strokes. That's why you hired them to begin with because they're a fucking artist. Let the artist create their art uninterrupted. Absolutely. I mean, and to piggyback off what you just said, since it's both of our number ones, this is how much this movie has impacted the horror community in general and the genre. I mean, yes, you'd go to a horror convention a few years back. You'd see some cosplayers as Art the Clown. You'd see people wearing Terrifier shirts. It was an indie darling. Now, it's big business. Now, all of the actors and, and Damien himself and, and David Howard Thornton are going to conventions. And it's a it's a popular culture phenomenon. Everyone's talking about it. And, and everyone went to see it. I mean... It makes me happy. Part of me that, you know, you know, that guy was like, well, I used to like it before you. It's like that kid that used to be like on the bus, like I liked Metallica before you. They were on the radio. It's it's that feeling. But at the same time, I'm happy for it. And I'm championing the success because it means, Jeremy, it means, Brady, we can get more of these. It's going to pave the way. And and not everything can be Terrifier or Terrifier 2. We've seen that with the mean one. I mean, Damien has a talent here for his special effects, for directing. The story in the sequel is highly superior compared to the first one. And the amazing aspect of Lauren Laveras, Sienna, who is (laughs) a modern scream queen, a modern final girl, absolutely brilliant. Just fucking iconic imagery. What they created with that character and that performance is, that's what really made the movie for me. You could have had the same movie and taken that character out. You wouldn't have that dynamic, the brother and sister relationship, that family dynamic made the movie. The score is amazing. The kills are literally some of the best kills. Ever. And and, and I said this, (laughs) and I'm going to make this as quick as possible. I said this as part of my blurb after I saw the movie, and I stand on this. This movie, Terrifier 2, is one of the greatest slasher movies of all time ever made. There it is. That's my number one, Terrifier 2. I'm pretty sure everyone listening to this right now has seen it. And I know from our download numbers that you guys continue to download that review every single day. So that means you're listening. And if you haven't listened to it yet, go give it a listen. We spooge all over that shit for like an hour and a half. And that's that. But ladies and gentlemen... Thank you so much for listening to this episode. This was our top 10 horror movies of 2022. If you liked our list, let us know in the comments of wherever you're listening to the episode. And if there's some movies that we missed that you think we should watch, definitely let us know. Also, you can, I mean, feel free to tell Brady that his list is complete shit and he should just go jump in a dumpster with it. You haven't even watched half of it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just letting them know in case they feel that way. I'm not saying I do. Um... But yes, if you if this is your first time listening, you can find us on every single podcast platform or all over social media at Epic Film Guys, Instagram, Instagram, Instagram. Instagram. Give, give me a biscuit. Instagram cracker. Uh, Instagram cracker. <laughs> Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We're actually, I mean, on Twitter, I don't know how much longer we'll be on there because um, Elon wants to destroy mankind and. Um, but yeah, and also we have a Patreon. We're not doing that much with it right now, but we're trying to revamp that. We've got a couple of exclusive episodes coming up on that as well. And this is our last episode we're releasing before Christmas. So if you're listening, we definitely want to wish you a Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. And hope you enjoy with your friends and family. And yeah, there it is. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Until next time, I'm Justin. 
I'm Sylvester Stallone, and remember, if you do not pay, I will not stay. Keep punching. <laughs> and I'll be ready. And until next time, as always, we like to ask you to keep it creepy. Yo, Adrian, I did it! Brain steel!